Hosanna. The king of Israel reigns. The king of the entire earth reigns. Today is Palm Sunday, and we use that word on on Palm Sunday because we see it in Scripture. Do you guys know what Hosanna means? It means save us. And specifically, it means save us now. Save us now. It's a declaration of adoration and dependence, acknowledging that he is Savior, that he has come to save us, that he is king. Throughout uh, the Gospels, up to this point, we see that Jesus acknowledged as teacher, right? As, as healer, as prophet. But at this point, we see him acknowledged as king. But not, not the typical king. Not, not the king that everybody expected. Not the king that everyone was, was asking for. See, normally kings, they arrive on a big, mighty war horse. Not just a horse. A, a horse that is higher than the other horses. You ever heard the phrase, high horse? Oh, look at him up on his high horse. That's where that comes from. It's, there were war horses that were, that were bigger than the other horses, and that's what the king would ride in on, triumphantly, largely. But that's not what Jesus did. He rode in on a donkey, and not just on a donkey... On the cult. When I imagine this, because I've seen, we've probably all seen a lot of pictures of Jesus riding in on the donkey and next to it is the foal, is the colt. But that's not what we see in scripture. What we see is that he rode in on the colt that had never been ridden before. I imagine his feet like barely, I mean, probably touching the ground perhaps. I mean, not some large triumphant Mega mule, but a cult. And they acknowledged him as king. And they waved uh, palm branches and they laid them down. And people took off their coats and they laid it down. So that even the, the, the donkey that he rode in on wasn't touching ground, but was given a place of honor. And Christ was honored. And we honor him today. We honor him as king. Man, how how awesome was that in worship just to to have reverence for the Lord and not be in a hurry. I want to encourage us with something. Like when we have those times in worship where it's just precious and just reverent, know this, God is doing something. He's doing something. He's touching hearts and he's healing, and he's inspiring, and he's drawing us closer to him. He's doing stuff. Whether you even can fully connotate what it is, he is doing stuff, and that's why Kara says, Lord, we give you room. We give you room. We just patiently adore you. So never take that time lightly. It's always powerful. And Jesus, we honor you today. But the, the story of Palm Sunday, it starts a little bit before the, the uh, donkey and the colt make their appearance. If you want to turn in your Bibles uh, to John chapter 11, we're going to be in John 11, John 12, um, and we're going to see that what I believe is that this day actually starts with, with a story that most of us are familiar with. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus 
healing all the time. Jesus heals the blind. He heals the deaf. We see him healing. And most of the time, after he healed somebody, he had a very specific instruction that he gave them almost entirely. You guys know that, what that instruction is? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. And it was all about timing. It was all about timing because he knew his time had not yet come. And he knew what would happen if they are started telling what Jesus had done to the extent that they would want to crown him king ahead of time. See, and they weren't just looking for a king as we know him as king. We know him as king and savior and healer, but they were looking for savior in a political sense. That's what they were looking for. Someone to save them from Rome, from Roman tyranny. That's what they were looking for. And and Jesus knew what the timing of the Father was. But there's something that happened that we're about to read about that changed everything. Something happened and Jesus knew, after I obey my Father in this act that he's telling me to, it all changes after this act of obedience. After I obey my father, my arrest and my torture and my death will come quick. So what was the one thing that happened? A man named Lazarus died. A man named Lazarus died. And that's what pushed into motion the final week of Jesus. So I'm going to be reading, I'm reading out of the ESV, Romans chapter 11. I'm going to start in verse 5. I'm sorry, John chapter 11. Thank you, sir. John chapter 11, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, named Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's an odd response. You hear that someone's sick and he's like, We're going to linger for a while. We're going to stay here two days longer. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea once again. The disciples said to him, "Uh, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples weren't always the sharpest tools in the shed. So in verse 12, we see the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. He'll get better. What's the big deal? They're trying to kill us there. You remember that part? We're not, we don't want to go to Judea. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Verse 14, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Let's note how Jesus talks about death and how everyone else in this passage talks about death starting with Thomas 
Next verse. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This is not some noble thing. This is not some, you know, like band of brothers type monologue. Let us die with him. This is sarcasm. This is pessimism. This is, okay, well, let's go. I guess we're going to die too. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brothers. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. So she left the house. She went out and met Jesus. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she kind of spouts a little, you know, religious thing. Yeah, I, I, I know what the Bible says. Yeah, that's great, God. Jesus said to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to Jesus, to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The exact words that Martha said. I think it's a pretty easy connection to think this isn't the first time these words had come from their lips. That there was a little bit of gossip going on. If Jesus would have come, our brother wouldn't have died. If Jesus would have been here and made this important, our brother wouldn't have died. Because both sisters go out to Jesus and say the exact same words. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He was deeply moved. This is a complex word. This this is a complex word. This, This doesn't just mean that his emotions were stirred. So we we see what the Greek word is, and and I'm gonna read that in a second, and then we know that that it was, it was, there was Greek and there was Aramaic. So I'm telling you right now, the Aramaic of this softens the Greek a bit. But this, hold on a second, I'm going to press a button. This word, hold on. Strong's G, 1690, Amblimaomai. Yeah, that's the one. 
Okay, Embry Aomai. It means to snort with anger, to be indignant. Now, like I said, the Aramaic softens it a bit. And so here's what this word means. It means to be moved with passion and compassion. It's a combination of the two. There is an intensity to this word, to be moved with passion, but there's also a a tenderness to this word and compassion, okay? So it's important because we see this word again in, in verse 38. So let me read 33 again. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews... Uh, who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved. He was moved with passion and compassion. There was a little bit of indignation, but there was also a ton of compassion and love. Very complex. And he was moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Part of this is his troubling is Jesus is son of man. He's son of God and son of man. And his friend died. His brother died. This dude, they were close. They were friends and, and he's moved, and there's this just mix of emotions. Verse 34, and Jesus said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said what? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again. This part's got a bit more indignation to it, I think. Because now he's, he's aware of his disciples saying, hey, let's go die too. This, this is the end. His disciples saying it. Martha coming to him saying, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. You don't care. It's the same accusation that the disciples said to Jesus in the boat when the storm was rising. You don't care. And we do the same thing. When things get rough, when we see things in our life that, that are death. In different ways, we say the same thing. Lord, don't you even care? So yeah, the Lord was deeply troubled, to say the least. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor, for he's been dead four days. So when she said earlier, come and see, she didn't really mean come and see. Jesus said, where's he laid? And she said, come and see. She didn't really mean come and see. She said, come and see from a distance. Come and see from a place that I'm comfortable with. And you guys, we do the same thing. We say, yeah, Lord, come and see, but see from a distance. See from a place where I'm comfortable with, where there's not the stink, where there's not the death, where there's not the stench. What what are my neighbors going to think? What are my friends going to think? They're all going to smell this death and see this death that you could have avoided. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. 
when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Friends, we, we focus way too much on the death. We worry way too much about the death. And we don't remember the resurrection. In our lives, we, we try so hard to keep everything from dying, to keep everything afloat, without realizing that we serve the God who conquered death, who raises dead things to life. You guys, I say it all the time. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. I was a dead person. You were a dead person. We were dead. There was death all around us. There was sin all around us. He didn't come to make us good. He came to bring us to life from that death we lived. Isn't that awesome? Hosanna! Many, verse 45, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests of the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we going to do? This man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away uh, both our place and our nation. And at this point it was on. There's no turning back. The point of no return has already happened. Because at this point, there's no sweeping that under the rug. Lazarus was dead four days. People were there grieving and mourning and being with them. Everyone's going to know about this. We see right here the religious leaders. They know about it already. It terrifies them. In fact, there's a plan that goes into action to not just kill Jesus, but do what? Kill Lazarus. Kill Lazarus. That's what we see in Scripture. This is the beginning of Palm Sunday. This is why the masses gathered and cut down palm branches and took their coats off and laid them down because they're like, this king raises people from the dead. I know Lazarus. I've had a meal with Lazarus. Terrible card player, Lazarus. And he was dead. I went and paid my respects. I went and paid my respects. I was there. I mourned. I grieved. And he's alive now. Let's go to chapter 12. Verse 9. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, verse 12, the triumphal, triumphal entry. The next day, the large crowd had come to the feast. They had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Hosanna! 
Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written in Scripture. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Man, we're, we're a fickle people. We're a fickle people because I'm letting you guys know that the same crowd that shouted, Hosanna! And laid palm branches on the ground for him to ride over. The same crowd that said, Hosanna! With palms, part of that same crowd, less than a week later, yelled, Crucify him! With thorns. Why? Because he wasn't what they expected. He wasn't what they wanted. They wanted... Who's the character that plays Thor? Who's that dude that is just ridiculously fit? I can't stand that guy. Chris Chris Hemsworth. They wanted Chris Hemsworth. Like golden locks in the wind riding on the giant war horse, the high horse, with a sword, slicing up Roman officials. And Jesus comes on a colt. And Jesus couldn't even ride on the donkey. At least the donkey is bigger, it's more respectable. You're right. We see if we read Luke's account of Palm Sunday that Jesus cried. Jesus cried. He mourned. He's like, they celebrate me coming in, but they still don't get it. And it's going to, destruction is going to come to them because they don't truly believe. It's just lip service. Friends, we can't make it just lip service. We can't make our, our declarations of adoration and his kingship, we can't just make it lip service. What do we do when we encounter King Jesus and we truly embrace him as King Jesus? Then we, we live our lives for him. We trust him. We don't fear the death. We praise the God of the resurrection. When we see moments of death in our lives, when we see foreclosure or bankruptcy or sickness or disease, we don't think that's the end because it's not because our God is the God of resurrection. King Jesus. We're going to watch a video here. I love it. It it really, from an eyewitness perspective, um, it it's, helps us to see the response to a Jesus who says, I'm in need. So let's, let's watch. And, and just to give you guys a heads up, it's like 14 minutes long. Okay, it's a little long, but it's wonderful. I'm married to a cat lady. Yeah, you know the type. I don't have to explain. Well, a cat lady, except with donkeys. 
um, a donkey lady. In the Christian tradition, Palm Sunday is one week before Easter Sunday. It commemorates the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem for what we today call Passion or Holy Week. It is the defining event that begins the countdown of Jesus' time on earth. We live in Bethphage, my wife and I. It's a small village about halfway from Bethany to Jerusalem. It's on the east side of the Mount of Olives. It's not far from the mountaintop. We're not rich, not poor. We're as normal as normal can be. We own a small shop that sells firewood for camping to pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. Our most valuable possession, however, a donkey, kind of an older donkey, and her foal. It's nearly weaned, never been ridden, and still follows its mother around. Yes, I'm irritated at my wife. Wean it, break it, and the colt is worth more. But my wife, it's like it's her precious child. She treats it like a precious child. She won't let me train it, won't even let me touch it. Donkey lady. We make extra money by renting out the donkey to those who are fatigued from walking up the Mount of Olives. And it would double if I could rent out that colt. Traffic has increased due to, um, well, let's just say these are exciting and dangerous times. Weeks ago, uh, less than three miles from here in the village of Bethany, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. I mean, I, I don't know. It's the story, and you don't go making things up like that. Lots of people hope to see Lazarus and, uh, you know, verify what's happened to him. It's a pretty big deal. He was dead for days, four, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's the exciting part. The dangerous... Well, I've heard some of the travelers are looking for ways to kill Lazarus, eliminate any trace of Jesus' ability to raise people from the dead. It's just what I've heard. So it's the Sunday before Passover. Already a steady stream of people on the road through a village coming from the countryside to Jerusalem to celebrate. The uh, donkey lady and I are outside preparing to paint some lamb's blood above the door frame and on either side. We've got our hyssop branches to use as paintbrushes. This is not a required part of modern Passover activities, but you know, we like the, the reminder of the Passover story from Exodus. We hear a noise behind us. Turn around, two men untying our donkey and the foal, stealing in broad daylight. Hey, I shout. And they freeze, they just stare. What are you doing? I can't believe how brazen. I mean, who do you think you are? Right there, right in front of our eyes. I'm getting all amped. You know, I'm a strong guy. I, uh, I chop wood for a living. Size point. This is not happening. No, sir. Not today. Right? One of them says, and his, his voice uh, so soft. Well, the Lord needs it. He'll send it back soon. It's like an angel has closed my mouth. I can't say anything. I look at donkey lady. <laughs> she looks at me. We just nod our heads. And the men walk away with our most valuable p 
possessions, her precious baby. So a little while later, we hear a shout in the distance toward Bethany. And then a crowd comes into view, heading straight toward us. And we can hardly believe our eyes. Some guy is leading our donkey. Behind him, another man rides on our colt, robes draped over the colt like blankets. And he's sitting on top. We expect the colt to bolt toward us, to, to its home, to its manger, you know, to feed. And the colt stays calm, follows its mother, passes us, heads toward Jerusalem. And a huge crowd follows the donkeys. And I, you know, I want an explanation. I pull this man aside. He's reluctant to stop and lose his place, so I walk with him. He tells me the man on the colt is Jesus. And behind him, his apostles and Lazarus. And then all the crowds of people, and, and some are the ones from Jerusalem who went to verify Lazarus is alive. Some are Passover pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem. Many look like they're from Galilee. Others are local from Bethany. And I walk to Donkey Lady, who is smiling from ear to ear, by the way, and I point. It's the Lord. It's, it's Jesus. She just beams. He needs, he needs our donkey. And it's like a punch to the gut. Can this be the Messiah? A Lord who created the universe and needs something? He needs something that we can give him? Ordinary people, a, a donkey lady and her husband meeting the Lord's need? I race to catch up with my donkeys, with Jesus. I reach him just as he crests the Mount of Olives and comes to a stop. And the noise of the crowd washes over and down the west side of the Mount of Olives. The uproar crashes into the Kidron Valley and onto the east side of the Temple Mount, echoing back to the Mount of Olives over an area so large, hundreds of acres with thousands of campfires. They smoke like pots of incense, fires of sacrifice. And the sun behind us reflects off of the golden temple in front of us through the smoke of more fires of sacrifice. Jesus rides down the west side of the Mount of Olives and people throw palm branches onto the path in front of him. And some throw their cloaks on the ground and the crowds nearest Jesus, they're just, they're delirious with joy. And some of us know and some of us don't, but Jesus is fulfilling the prophecies of Isaiah and Zechariah about the king of Israel entering Jerusalem. And, and our unridden cult is a critical piece of the prophecy. Jesus needed our cult to fulfill prophecy. The people around the fires in the huge valley, they look up at Jesus and they see him as their king their Messiah, they cheer, chant, chant verses from the scriptures. Hosanna! Blessed is, is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Hosanna to the Son of David. And Jesus goes down the steep path and the sound of the thousands of people. It's, it's overwhelming. 
some of the Pharisees at the front of the crowd, you know, they're furious. They know the crowd is acknowledging Jesus is the Messiah. They rebuke Jesus. They try to get him to quiet the crowd. With a look on his face, I can only describe as sublime. He says, If the crowd is made to be quiet, the very stones on the ground will shout out. When the triumphant crowd approaches Jerusalem, and Jesus steps down from the donkey full and uh, quietly tells one of his apostles, take it back to its owner. I mean, I hear him. So I step up. I take my two donkeys. Jesus smiles. And, and he says four words to me. You met my need. Why is Donkey Lady not with me? What? And I'm, I'm going to have to go back and try to recreate it for her. So I start back to the house, and uh, the crowd stops. Jesus sits on the ground. And I'm pretty certain he's, he's crying. I only hear a few tearful words, a lament over Jerusalem. And then I'm swallowed up by the crowd. I reach home. I hug her. She is the reason we were able to meet the Lord's need. And I tell her that. She was right to keep the cult unridden. I tell her that. I tell my wife. We keep track of Jesus over the next several weeks. It's hard to do. Not because of lack of information, but because it's hard to tell truth from fiction. For the first week, Jesus teaches at the temple every day, always in conflict with the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders finally have enough, and they arrest Jesus, and they arrange for the Romans to execute him. Crucifixion. The body of Jesus disappears. The Jewish leaders say that his apostles stole the body. The rumor among the people is that Jesus rose from the dead then reports that Jesus is seen by hundreds of people, not just his followers. He is seen in Jerusalem and in Galilee. It's been about seven weeks since Jesus rode our donkey and we've decided to keep the cult, to never, never let it be written again. Well, my wife still treats it like a precious child. For seven Sundays, I leave the cult to the top of the Mount of Olives. I relive in detail, every moment of the day we met the need of Jesus. When I come to the top of the mountain, I just, I just stand there, remembering the fires and the shouts, the palm leaves on the path. And then I return home with a feeling of disappointment for six Sundays. But on the seventh Sunday, in the distance, is a group of men. I take the colt, and we go. And as we get close, I see it's Jesus. 
with his apostles. I am only about a stone's throw away. And Jesus starts rising in the air. He goes into the clouds and disappears. I walked toward the apostles and there are these two men in dazzling white clothes approaching. Galileans, why are you standing there looking into the sky? This same Jesus will return in the same way he went into heaven. The apostles break out in praise and happiness and they, and they smile at me. They remember the cult. At least I think they do, but then they head to Jerusalem. I return home with the cult to my wife. He's gone now. He's really gone. I tell her of the story of Jesus rising in the air. She doesn't even seem surprised. We were willing to meet his need, she says. And many people were blessed. I know that should make me feel better, but I'm, I'm sad that he's gone. Now, we will meet the needs of his followers, she says. I'm so glad I married a donkey lady. Jesus says when we help others in his name, we are helping him, meeting his need. Meeting the need of the Lord God of the universe. I think, uh, I think the devil does all he can to keep us from realizing that we are a vital part of the gospel story today. He does all he can to say, no, not you, someone else, someone more qualified, somebody wiser or older or who's walked with the Lord longer and... And we fail to realize that we are a part of doing the work of Jesus on the earth today, of letting people know about his grace and his goodness and his love. And we disqualify ourselves and we buy into the lies of the enemy. And we say, well, I can't do it. I, I'm still dirty. I still, I'm still jacked up. I still don't have my, my crap together yet. I, I, it'll have to be when I'm cleaned up. It'll have to be when I'm more mature. And that's just not true. God can use every single one of us if we will just be willing. If we will just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have need of for me? And if we will just be willing to be used. God can use you in the most ridiculous ways. I tell people this all the time. I... I didn't go to seminary. I went to a Christian college, but I studied graphic design. My degree's in graphic design. I'm a graphic designer who said yes when the Lord said, can I use you? Will you be used? Will you say yes to the call of pastoring? 
And Karen and I said yes. We're going to end this in worship, but I don't want us to just end with, with, a, with a song of worship. I want us to end with a response to the Lord, a response of, Lord, if you will use me, I will be used by you. Lord, if you have need of me, I make myself available to you. And not just a one-time response to this, but to begin living a yielded heart that responds to the Lord saying, here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. I am yours. Let's respond to the Lord. And after we've responded, let's... And you can be patient about it, but after you've responded, stand to the Lord and join us in praise. Lord Jesus, our prayer today is that we would be used of you. Use us in ways beyond what we can even imagine. Use us in ways that we clearly don't deserve. But use us in mighty ways to show your grace and redemption and life. Lord, give us eyes to not focus on the death, but hearts to cling to the the faith of your resurrection power. And let that be our declaration, Lord, in being used of you and letting others know of life in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Again, not transforming bad people into good ones, but taking dead people and giving them life, and life abundant. Amen? Love y'all. Next week's going to be a great week. Invite your friends. Let's pack this place out. We will be setting up more chairs. We will be setting up lots of chairs in belief that there will be lots of people coming and exalting our risen Savior. So, leave y'all with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And give you peace. Hmm. He loves you. Have a great day.